Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm Dave Sulecki. And I'm PJ Doran. And today, we're bringing you the Pit Pass Moto Year in Review, where we're highlighting some of the favorite moments from the show over the last 12 months. The COVID-19 pandemic has obviously affected everyone all over the globe, and we felt the effects of it with racing this year, obviously, starting with Daytona getting canceled, which was a real bummer, and the race season starting and ending later than normal. 2020 Moto America Superbike Champion Cameron Bobier spoke with us in June as the season was finally kicking off, and he told us how it was a strange start to the season. Clearly, you've got the, the uh, lion's share of points. You've got a commanding lead at this very moment. And one could argue, uh, there's a bunch of fast guys behind you. We all know this, Skoltz, Gagne, Heron, and more, to say nothing of Tony Elias, who had an uncharacteristically horrible day for him. I mean, that doesn't happen where it, you know he has two unfortunate uh, DNFs. No one wishes this on, I know you don't, uh, you know, you want to race against the best guys, and Elias certainly is one of them, as the others I've mentioned. But that was weird, you know, it's just a weird it start to the season. Yeah, it was kind of an uncharacteristically, yeah, start to the season for me, too, because normally I'm, I don't know, I, like just looking at my track record this the last few seasons, four seasons or so, like, I've had a pretty bad start to the season and then I'm trying to claw back points the rest of the, the rest of the year. And so, yeah, to come out of there with two wins, like I was just like, so just happy and relieved. And obviously, I mean, I mean, I'm feeling really good on my bike and my bike. Yeah. My bike feels good. The crew's working awesome. Every, everything's going, going good. And so I don't want to get too excited. I just want to keep the ball rolling. You know, it was pretty crazy, you know, having, uh, Tony's come out swinging the past few years and just as soon as he got over here really like he I remember he won the first two rounds at Coda did it the next year same thing it is kind of nice to to start out off on the front foot and we're going back there but the thing is too like those guys started getting faster and faster throughout the whole weekend so we'll see how it goes next round there but uh like I said man my my attack Yamaha is working so good right now it's it's pretty I mean, I remember last year when they went from from a factory team to attacking Yamaha partnering, like everyone was a little worried about it, but I honestly think it was a blessing in disguise. My bike, like just just the knowledge that Richard has built up like throughout the years with attack and then all the knowledge that Yamaha has, they pieced everything together and it's it's really like the best of both worlds right now, so yeah, I'm enjoying it. Congratulations to American champion Cameron Bobier as he moves over to Moto2 and challenges the world.
Motorcycle racing legend John Hopkins also felt the effects from the late start to the season with his new riding academy and trying to help cultivate the talent of young riders. Obviously, I've always had a had an interest with helping out young kids, just trying to, to give back some of the uh, experience and knowledge I've gathered over uh, over all the years. And unfortunately, I uh, I had to stop racing at the end of 2017, where I had a massive accident. I ended up shattering both knees and uh, broke a few vertebrae on my back, and which accumulated to not just from that injury, but over the career of injuries, that was my 37th operation, unfortunately. And I mean, I uh, had every intention of still going back and trying to make it back to racing again. But unfortunately, I just never got the uh, full range of motion back in my uh, my right knee. I only have 60% range of motion in my right knee. So it's pretty much impossible, basically, to fit on a race bike, a road racing race bike. And the last two years have been basically constant rehab rehabilitation with the knees and then coming to the realization that unfortunately I was going to have to look into the actual life after racing but you know I still obviously wanted to be involved with the industry and uh, you know it all came about like I said over this last winter and I ended up getting an offer and basically a job offer to be a rider coach to Joe Roberts on the American Racing Moto2 team and I started getting connected with the team owner Bull, and you know, I started working with Joe, and everything started to progress really well. And then, uh, as we started to uh, to connect and you know work together, then I actually uh, formed the plan to obviously start the American Racing Academy because you know that's the one thing lacking in in America, unfortunately, is a really good competitive path up through the ranks into the world championship of racing. I mean, the the level of racing over there is insane with the amount of projects and the academies and everything they have, you know, European and worldwide based. So, you know, we just wanted to uh, to try and make our mark and, and do everything we could to help young American talent. And so, like I said, we started the American Racing Academy. There wasn't a whole lot we could do. Unfortunately, when we started to get things off the ground, the whole coronavirus hit and we really like to collaborate and, you know, eventually work with Moto America and Dorna and Moto GP by getting a full blown junior cup within Moto America that can boost them straight into a Moto three or, you know, European style world championship. But we had to get our feet off the ground. So we started, you know, with the Avale Cup that was already going to be running this year in the Moto America series in conjunction. So, you know, we ended up uh, getting four kids that, you know, we, we had a search around and, you know, we spoke to Avale, we spoke to Moto America, and, you know, there was four kids that uh, seemed quite good. And so we brought them on board and right now we're helping them out through the, uh, the Avale Cup this season. John was an awesome guest, and it was wonderful to talk to him about the positive impact he's having with his new school, and we hope he continues to heal all of the injuries that he's unfortunately sustained throughout his career. Former co-host and founder of Pit Pass Moto, Tony Wank, opened up to us about how his Riverside Raceway was dealing with quarantine and the shutdowns. Unlike some of the negative stories we've heard about business in the news, Tony actually had some positive things to share with us. We had a pretty good season, actually, already. We had the, the just to break. Everything was shut down. So COVID's actually been, if it doesn't kill me, it's been the best thing that's ever happened to me. Because we had the Justin Brayton shootout. 
we had 1,834 entries with practice on Friday. So that was like, we killed it. You know, it was really good. Ran that event and then I went off without a hitch. I mean, it was, that's a ton of freaking people. I mean, it was packed. I don't think I've been to a race that big ever, except for like nationals, you know, amateur nationals and stuff. We were smoked. I was laying in bed the next day after the whole thing was over with like, oh my God, I could finally lay down. And we'd been shut down because of COVID up until that. And I had worked out a plan with the sheriff and the local emergency management people and stuff. So we were dialed, like we could do it. Well, word got out that we had this thing, we pulled it off and Loretta's was struggling to get qualifiers done, right? So they called me the, that day and he's like, hey, uh, we want you to run a super regional, which they got rid of the area qualifiers and they ran the regionals, which is huge. It was huge. It wasn't near as big as the Justin Brayton race, but it was, it was awesome. And uh, so we ran that one. My intention was to be done after that because that was like right into fireworks season. We were running fireworks, you know, I sell fireworks. So, and fireworks has never been better. As his friend, I know Tony always has some of the best stories and he shared this classic one from his younger days. Yeah, I was like 16 and and I'm like, I know I can just clear the driveway at the shop perfectly. I, I mean, I just, I know it. And my dad's like, you're going to crash and get hurt. I'm like, no, no, no. It's like, you got to wear your, wear all your gear and you're a moron. And I hope you don't die. I'm like, all right, all right. So I jumped that thing. That freaking thing jumps like a bathtub. And it was probably, I don't know, maybe 30 feet, you know, not big, but it had a real incline and a real downside. And I freaking rode the front wheel on that gold wing all the way down into the flat before it finally swapped violently and pitched me off and totaled the motorcycle, right? And my dad's standing there with some other guy. He's selling a car. So he's like some customer and the guy, they're like, wow. (laughs) And I jump up and I'm freaked out, you know, and I'm like, help me lift it. And my dad goes, no. And he turned around and walked away. And that was like the only conversation we ever had about that gold one, but it was completely totaled. I mean, like the fairing. Throw it away. I wish we'd have had a video of it. Yeah, it was throw away, throw away the motorcycle. I really don't think that's uh, Honda's target customer's use of the vehicle. No, but it it would have been a killer video. I'm with you, Tony. (laughs) All this stuff that we did when we were young and didn't know better. Like, oh, it'd be, if I'm going to offer this gold wing for complete and utter garbage, I should probably take a, maybe just a picture at least. I had convinced myself I could do it. And that bike would wheelie, actually. Yeah, they've got enough motor. It'll wheelie. And I had my buddy, like, he'd, like, throw himself backwards. He would be riding on the back. And we could ride that thing all the way through town. That wasn't the only hilarious story he shared with us this year. Brock Sellards, who always has a good story if you get him alone, uh, he told us about his first trip to California and getting to meet Mitch Payton. It's a moment, he says, is now one of his funniest stories. We get to Pro Circuit. We're, we fly to California. My first time there, I'm going to go meet Mitch Payton. And we were, at the time, I, I don't remember. I might have been in the B class, and he was on... 80s and super mini and we fly out there and we uh we stop at 
in and out Burger, which is on Surface Club Drive, right right before you get to Pro Circuit. So I'm, I'm familiar. I've been to that very in and out Burger, actually. <laughs> so he's like, oh, man, we got it. I'm starving. We got to stop. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, it's a burger joint. Okay. And then he's telling me it's not on the menu, but you have to get this four by four animal stop. And I'm like, well, what is it? He goes, don't ask, just get it. So I'm like, oh my gosh. So here they make four pieces of meat, four pieces of cheese, four sauce on everything, all the works. This thing's so big, I, there's no way I can fit it in my mouth. And here you get these big old pile of fries and we're, we're like trying to scarf it down while we're going into, you know, meet Mitch. And I'm thinking this is probably the worst idea I've ever had, but I always awesome. just timid. So we get into Pro Circle, we walk in, Mitch is there. He's, he's in his wheelchair. He's messing with something. He instantly quits, comes over to talk to us, looks at me, looks at Ricky, goes, was you guys at In-N-Out? <laughs> and did. I was like, oh, white. no, I was white as a ghost, man. You could read right through me. Here I am. Meeting Mitch at, Payton of all people, right? Yeah, Mitch Payton's like <laughs> calling us out. And I, I cannot make eye contact with him because I am scared that I'm, I'm, I'm getting fired in my eyes, you know. <laughs> so... He's like, no, what makes you think we did? He's like, come here. He's like, Because no, he knows Ricky, why? that's why. Yeah, he's like, come here. And he's like, no. And he's like, come here. So he's on his wheelchair. He gives it one quick little roll forward and grabs a hold of Ricky's arm, sniffs his fingers and says, <laughs> in and out fries, you lied to me. <laughs> and he, he just left. He was so mad he just left because at that time, Ricky was pretty chubby. Yeah, uh, yeah. And he loved to eat and yeah. It, you know, it wasn't until his after his rookie year that he took training seriously. He took riding seriously, but not training. So right. that was uh, that was probably my funniest story that I had because it wasn't funny at the time. But looking back at it, me and Mitch, we can we can still laugh at that one because he he knew and he sniffed his dang fingers. I'm like, this guy's smart. Coming up next, we've got a really fun story. We had the chance to hear from Trevor Vines. He spoke to us about his once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be in the movie Charlie's Angels and getting to ride with Cameron Diaz. I got invited to do that movie in, like, 2002. I was very deep in the freestyle competition. I was doing the X Games and the Gravity Games and all the IFMAs at the time. Many, many just demos across the IRL races or any big events. I was doing a lot of big events at the time. So they got a hold of me, about a dozen of us, Ryan Hughes, Nick Way, McGrath was in it. There were a lot of good supercross riders, myself, Ronnie Renner, Clifford Adaptante, Mike Jones. We were kind of the freestyle guys in it. And some of it to build, I wasn't rocking a Clifford ponytail, so that worked. <laughs> but I got to be Cameron Diaz's stunt double. And uh, that was fun. I did get to meet her. I did take her for a lap around the supercross track they made on my bike didn't double anything didn't throw her off but had some fun we hung out for a little bit that afternoon and just talked and it was a great experience it, it was about a three-week shoot out in california i'd been out there for a few years at that point so i'd lived kind of nearby i didn't we stayed there the whole time we had long call days and it was a lot of fun though we shot a lot of different i mean it's a small segment in the movie i think it lasts like 30 seconds or so but we filmed for a few weeks, kind of nonstop, and it was fun to ride with guys like Nick Way and Ryan Hughes and on a supercross track, you know, Dave Castillo. There was a lot of camaraderie at the end of, the, you know, at the end of three weeks, hanging out with all those guys. That was a blast. 
Now we're going from a story about Cameron Diaz to a story about working with our champion of Moto America, Cam Peterson. In September, we had a real good talk with Melissa Paris about what it was like going from being a rider to being a member of Cam Peterson's team. When I was racing, I was really lucky to work with some really, really talented mechanics and having like the right people that don't just have like the technical skill, but also that you can communicate well with is so important. Now to be on the other side of it, I think I probably have even more appreciation for how hard those guys worked for me in the past. Like I've definitely been almost like making amends to some of them recently where I'm like, oh my God, like now I know like what you're doing for me for all the hard work. It is for me now. I mean, I'm being rewarded with incredible results from Cam, you know, like he's killing it. And so I know that my guys were working just as hard and and I never brought them national level wins like that. And it never seemed to slow them down or deter them at all. So I think it's given me like a, a new appreciation probably for all the support I had over the years. And I don't know. It's fun. It's cool. It It is an individual sport, but it's definitely a team sport. And I'm, I'm lucky because Cam's so appreciative. You know, he's always the first one to give me a big hug or a high five or whatever and say thank you. And It's cool. You know, like I feel really motivated to help him. There were so many great moments with all of our guests this year, and we appreciate everyone who came on the show for us. We also want to give a shout out and a thank you to our 2020 sponsor, Moto America, who will be back with us in 2021. Looking forward to the new year and race season with them. We will be away for the holiday, but we'll be back with new episodes starting January 14th. Thank you for tuning in this year. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app where you'll get alerts when new episodes are uploaded. If you have a moment, please rate and review us as well. We really appreciate it. And again, make sure to also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, pitpassmoto.com. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, Chris Bishop, Producer, Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer, Eric Coltnow. I'm Dave. And I'm PJ. And we'll see you next year. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.